Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I've got two people with me today, two good friends. I've never done an interview with two people before. And I mean, not that there's anything magic about that, but this just turned out that we could do that. So I've got my longtime good friends, Tom Bashford and Wayne McDaniel with me. They both live in the same area that I do. Full disclosure, Tom and I have been on staff at a church together, and Wayne and I have done some business things together before. They're both involved in a wonderful ministry organization called Significant Matters that Tom started a few years ago. Wayne's on the board, and they've come up with a really neat creative idea, not just an idea, they're actually implementing it in different places around the country, around the world to be. And so I've asked them to come and talk to me a little bit about that today, because here at Grace to All, the main thing that we're always about is asking people, how does our understanding and realization of God's unconditional love and grace to all people, how does that impact our daily lives and just the things that we do with other people? And so without taking any more of my time, welcome, Tom. Welcome, Wayne. I'm glad to have you guys both with us. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to be with you, Paul. Thanks. And I'm so glad that our audience didn't hear the things we were talking about before we started because, yeah, well, never mind. Okay. Hey, tell me about, (laughs) tell me about what you guys are doing with Significant Matters, big picture, and then zero in on the specific new program that you've started that we're going to talk about today. Well, big picture, Significant Matters. Uh, We're a faith-based organization. We work primarily with churches and it's a bit of an audacious goal in which we want to help the church move its mission work towards more sustainable solutions. And in that process, connect the business minded people who can do it. There's no secret that the world at large, both secular philanthropy and the church is wrestling with the unintended consequences of our well-meaning charitable work that has created dependencies and all kinds of things along those lines. And so rather than wring our hands about that, we're just asking some tough questions. I mean, how can we, as it regards the poor, that's where most mission work happens. That's the context in which most missions happens for North American suburban churches. And that's who we kind of focus on. So how do we help those churches kind of think through and restructure and create new strategies to help the poor in ways that will allow them to lift themselves out of poverty. It's far more complex than historical, traditional charity, but it's all very, very, very doable. So that's kind of the big picture. And I work with a lot of business-minded people from the church. I'm ordained. My life has been spent behind the pulpit. But this approach to missions is going to require marketplace people. And churches are full of business people who know how to create enterprise solutions to poverty. So how do we create space for those people in the work that we do through our church mission? So guys like Wayne serve on my board and 
all of them are excited about being able to use their A game, what they've done on a daily basis throughout their life, and to realize that there might be an on-ramp for those kinds of things through their church is exciting to a lot of business people. So mm. I'll let Wayne kind of go from there and talk a little bit about the uh, SAT Catalyst Fund or even why he's on the board. Great. Soon after Tom started Significant Matters, he actually invited me to be on the board. And I said no. And I'm not sure how many times he asked me. Finally, after we went on a trip together someplace, India, in fact, I sometime after that, I finally said, okay, I will come on the board. Because I believed in what he was trying to do, which is, you know, with sustainable solutions to poverty and empowering people in sustainable ways. And so, so that's why I'm on the board. Now, tell us about this specific project. We started the SAT Catalyst Fund. And SAT, that's S-A-T, stands for Sustainable and Transformational. And what it is, is it's an impact investing fund. Now, I probably need to define impact investing. And that is where, if, if you think of investing as you're investing in businesses, but there's an array of types of ways that people invest. If you look at it on the scale of on one end, you have philanthropy, which is not business investment at all. It's doing social good. And then on the extreme opposite end, you have pure capitalism, which in its pure form really doesn't care what it does. It just wants to make a profit. Well, somewhere in between there, there are ventures that seek to do both social good and make a profit. And so impact investing is investing in those kinds of ventures that are trying to make an impact in the world in some positive way. And in particular, we're looking for things that are connected to the gospel and and bringing good news to people and changing people's circumstances while at the same time making a profit, because if you don't make a profit, you're not sustainable. And so the SAT Catalyst Fund is an impact investing fund, but it's different from, there's several out there, but this is very different in how we're approaching it. So if you think about a catalyst, a catalyst is an agent of change that brings about, usually used in a chemical formula uh, to create some sort of change. And and where we're focused on is the church. As Tom said, we're wanting to help churches change how they do missions. And so we created this fund to come alongside the church, to incentivize the church, and to encourage the church to get involved in this way. And the way that we do that, there's two components to it. There's the, we'll just call it the SAT Catalyst Matching Fund, and then there's the Individual Church Fund. And what we want to do is help a church actually create their own fund, their own impact investing fund. And then we will come along and invest with them in projects. And we do this in such a way that the church members and especially business-minded people and millennials who want to make a difference, where they can become engaged and involved in the projects. So that's kind of in a big picture nutshell of what we're doing. Yeah. So 
Tom, give us an example of where you've done this and what it looks like in a church. We haven't done it anywhere yet. So, uh, and give us an example of what you'd like to do. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, and 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 kind of the the model. So, so we all know the mo of the church. You know that we have again. I'm talking about now the North American, primarily suburban church that has a mission department, has a mission budget, and they have a number of dollars to put towards things. And anybody that's been in church knows how that works. You know, you you have your 10 or 15 different partners, you allocate the money and you go and you hope that certain good things happen out of it. So all we're saying is that part of the reason that we've gotten into the place where we are right now, where we've created dependencies, is that most of the money and the things that we do in our church is simply, as Wayne said, is on the pure philanthropic area. We just, we give to a cause, but then next year we have to give back, we have to give back. And we've never ventured into kind of this third category beyond relief and better. We've not ventured into true development, which might be enterprise solutions to poverty. So we're not saying that you have to quit doing everything else that you're doing in the church. But what if the church, in addition to being good at emergency relief and individual betterment, what if we could also begin to develop examples and models of church actually using money to help people create wealth for themselves? That's the most sustainable thing around. That's what's going to create and that's going to help lift people out of poverty. So take, for example, the average church might have a ministry into the prison system. So they've been sending people into the prison system. You've built relationships with them. You've got 25 of your members that are working with these folks. And all of that is kind of in this first stage of emergency relief. How do you build the relationships with marginalized people, vulnerable people? But then all of a sudden he gets out. You've got 10, 12 people that have come out that are now kind of in this in-between time. They're trying to establish themselves back in the real world. And you've got a program for them. You've got a program outside of prison that's got them in a halfway house, maybe, or you're helping them find employment and various things like that. But you've also got a few of them that are kind of entrepreneurial and you've got a business accelerator. And so you've got some people from your church that are teaching business skills and how to set up a business. And one of the things we know about formerly incarcerated people is that they are incredibly entrepreneurial. And this isn't just kind of make-believe. This really is happening around the country where churches are investing in formerly incarcerated people, even taking them through business accelerators, teaching them how to set up a little business, some of which could start a roofing company or a barbershop or a drywall company. I mean, they can do it. They get them set up on QuickBooks. They got a business plan, a pro form and all that kind of stuff. And we get to the last thing. Money. They need $12,000 to start a little business. And historically, the church has kind of said, well, we've done our part. We've done the relief. We've done the betterment. And now you've taken this individual who would never get a loan from a bank because they've got a felon. They're a felon. They've got a felon. Yeah. All we're saying to the church is, oh, come on, church, just because we've never done much of this before doesn't mean we can't figure it out. And you start talking about these concepts to the average business person in any church, they get it. It clicks. So there's a group out of Fresno, California, that started a thing called Spark Tank. It's a shark tank without teeth. And what they've done is they've closed the loop in this kind of philanthropic logic. Let's help them, let's build capacity, but then we don't connect them to the resources to take advantage of the opportunities that you and I have because in many ways, because of where the lines have fallen for us. Mm -hmm. And so what this group is doing now is, you know, they raised philanthropic dollars, donated dollars, which you can do. 
and they put it into a fund and now they do a pitch. So now they don't just do the business accelerator and teach people these skills and tell them how to run a business. They actually connect them to the. Now, if it's a bad idea, you don't get the money. I mean, the idea here isn't to fund everything. The idea is that people need the opportunity to do. The, and how can we come alongside them? So can you imagine now you've got people coming out? Most of them should just be going and getting a job. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things a church could do, but there are some entrepreneurs out there that with 10, 12, 20, who knows, dollars could actually start their own little business, could actually begin to uh, break the cycle of poverty. And what we're saying is that you can take donated dollars and we're not giving those. We're not going to give them to an individual. They're gonna, we're going to loan them at a, at a low interest, but it's going to be a loan. Because what we're saying is we're going to give them the same dignity that you got all throughout your life, Paul. Nobody ever gave you the money, the capital that you needed. Mm-hmm. You borrowed it. Mm-hmm. That's the way the world works. What we're saying is we can do that. And now what happens, that's just one example. As that happens over two, three, four, five years, whatever the case may be, the money is paid back. And now all of a sudden, let's say it was a $12,000. That's what it costs to start this little business. Well, then your church put in four. You found some business people from your church to put in another four, which now means you had the pastoral staff and you had some business people actually working together on something that makes sense to business people, but probably not to pastors. <laughs> but you pulled your business people in now and they're going, yeah. wow, that was, I get that. Yeah. And we're hoping that maybe pastors then and mission pastors will get that in mission. But then significant matters put in four. Three years down the road, the money's paid back with some interest. And now there's $8,000 in the church portion of the fund. It stays there. Significant Matters takes its 4000 back. And all we're trying to do is, is help the church see that they can do it, help incentivize. Because the more we can build a relationship between clergy and business-minded people doing this, the more it becomes a normal part, the church begins to see that it can actually do this alongside of the other things that is doing. So what we're doing, we're at the prototype with this whole thing. And anytime that you're trying to do something this different, the hardest thing is the first two stories. So we're trying to pilot this with two churches in the next year. So yeah. we're not doing this within it. We've got about $50,000 in the startup for the SAT Catalyst Fund. And I'll let Wayne talk about a couple of projects. He's been working with some folks. So we're not smart enough to know where all of these investment opportunities should be. So we're partnering with a fairly large network that Wayne and I have developed across the world, across the United States. And we've got a couple of partners in particular that we're going to try to pilot these first two projects. Do you want to tell a bit more about that? One of the organizations we work with is called Grandis, and they work a lot in the uh, 1040 window and number of Muslim countries, and they have their contacts there that they work with. And so I actually went with them on a trip earlier this year to Kyrgyzstan so that I could see firsthand what they were doing and how they were doing it. And they took me to a ministry that worked with drug and alcohol addicts. And like all ministries, they had been struggling to raise money and keep their doors open and so they could continue to help people. And so one of the grand eyes is on the ground partners got in touch with them or they got in touch with each other and they showed them how to start a chicken farm. And they provided funding for their chicken farm so that they could raise these chickens to lay eggs, 
which gave the drug addicts and alcoholics something to do with their time for employment, and it provided revenue for the ministry so that they could continue to operate. And they're not 100% self-sustaining from the chicken farm, but it is more than half of what they need. Mm -hmm. And so that's an example of an impact investing where they invested in this ministry to help them start this business and the loan is being paid back. And so that's one example. And, and Aggrandize is working with a number of different organizations and countries there in that part of the world. Another example would be Sunshine Nut Company, which is founded by a guy named Don Larson, who used to be at Hershey's Chocolate. And he started this nut company in Mozambique, which is like about the last place in the world you'd want to start any business. But at any rate, he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. And so he started this company a few years ago. He pays the farmers a fair amount, a fair wage for the nuts that they raise and that they harvest. And then they created a processing plant for the nuts and for packaging and everything they have to do to sell it. And they pay everybody a fair wage. And then they sell it in the rest of the world. Of the profits, 90% of those profits are reinvested back into the local community. Into uh, they, they have what they call sunshine homes, which are small mini orphanages of a widow plus a few children. And they do other things in the community, water and medical care and a number of different things. So they're providing a transformative work in terms of both business and employing people and paying them fairly and then improving the neighborhood and the community and the people like orphans and widows that can't do, you know, they don't have the means to take care of themselves necessarily. So those are a couple of examples. Yeah. Well, those are great. So rather than just, I'll say just, uh, and I don't mean to demean this, but rather than just send a missionary someplace, your people are act like Don Larson and others are actually getting involved with the people, starting a business, letting the people own the business or at least participate in the profits. And they're not just stopping at that business. They're setting up the supply chain and marketing and all of the other things and then using some of the profits to help in that community where they are. And it's sustainable because the business, in this case, the nut business keeps going on and bringing in more money and employing more people and helping more people. Right. Wow. Now, how did he uh, choose that place to go to? What drew him there? I mean, you said it's the last place maybe most people would want to start a business. How'd that come about? It's a God thing, really. I mean, if you kind of trace it all back in all of our lives, it's pretty easy to see the sovereignty of God in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. So looking backwards, we say, oh, that makes a lot of sense how that happened. That's really what happened to Don. He just he found himself listening to God on the front end, found himself kind of obeying to what he saw in the moment. And he found himself in a particular place. And eventually everything lined up and it was, uh, oh, duh, this is what this is what I should be doing. But I if you don't I, I want to take a, a hard maybe right turn or left turn, depending on your political persuasion. But anyhow, kind of connected back, Paul, if you will, to what I see at the heart of what you're doing. And this grace to all and God's love for all people. I mean, whatever else that includes, whatever else it includes about our theology from the past, about the usage of fear and the scars that people carry around with them because of the images of God being this monarch or, or whatever else. So 
apart from all of that, when we bring our daily existence into focus and we start talking about our daily lives, it's not very complicated. Mm -hmm. We all want to feel a sense of dignity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's whether you've ever heard anything about Jesus or you go to church or you don't go to church. Mm -hmm. We all have this innate sense of the Imago Dei within us. I mean, we want to be treated with, and there is nothing more dignifying than an adult being able to provide for their own. There is nothing more demeaning in life than a person to not be able to provide. I mean, strip away any talk about Christianity, religion, God, or anything else like that. We all know that deep within our hearts, you as a father, me as a father, Wayne is a father. If I could not provide for my children, Mm. I really don't care about your gospel. I don't care about your grace. I don't care about any of that nonsense Mm. if I can't provide for my own. And all we're saying is my theology has developed over time. It's like, listen, until we marry the here and now to the hereafter in an inexorable way in which not one or the other or one first, then the other. No, 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 no. Our Heavenly Father cares about it all. Mm. It all matters to him. And if it all matters to him, then it should matter to us in the church that there are dads and moms who bury their children because of a lack of malaria medicine, because of all kinds of things in the world. And I just believe God has called the church to figure out how to bring the resources he's made available to them to bear upon the needs of people in real and tangible ways around the world. And this SAT Catalyst Fund is just an incredibly tangible way that will push the church into a whole new realm. Mm. And it's not that we can't do it. I never run across a single business person. Most pastors that I talk with don't get it, but I've never yet run across a Christian businessman or woman that didn't go, that makes a lot of sense. That's the heart of this. Our Heavenly Father cares about the whole person. Well, that so resonates with me, Tom. And of course, you know that it does. I, I was a businessman before I became a pastor. And right. I get goosebumps just hearing about that. Hey, we're getting close to the end of our time today. Can we pick this up and do another one of these and carry on from here? Well, I would like it. And uh, and I'll speak for Wayne, too. He'd love it, too. <laughs> Wayne, there's nothing that Wayne would like that whole. Because... Paul, part of what I'd like to do is tell you about some examples. So we do this event called Sat Talks. It's mm-hmm. a TED Talk type of thing. But we've got some videos. That I'd like to tell you a bit more so that your hearers can go and actually listen to the stories of some of the people mm-hmm. that we're talking about. I mean, we've got a website where they can go and hear Don Larson's story. They can hear Life Song and what Rod Brenneman and Gary Ringer's doing, what Hinga's doing. They can hear Grandize, all of these stories because there's real intangible stuff. Mm-hmm. And a little plug, if I might. What we're looking for are two churches that are willing to kind of step into this space and say, look, we'll prove the concept. We'll prove that the church can do this. I don't want to do this apart from a a local congregation. I know I can find 10 businessmen to do this. That's not the point. Mm. Not until the local church as congregations get this will we be able to scale it. The church as congregation has to get it. Yes, we'll come back and do it. When do you want to do it? Uh, (laughs) Real soon. Oh, which I'll just right. be up front with everybody. We're going to call this to a close. I'll stop the recording, and then we'll start another one, and it'll show up a week later. So if that's all right with you guys. 
Sounds good to me. Good. Hey, uh, before we close this one, just in case uh, somebody might not be able to uh, connect the next time, tell us the website, how they can connect with you, and then we'll go into more depth next time. So they can find us on two different websites. The stories that we're talking about are on the SAT, S-A-T, talks, T-A-L-K-S dot org. 60 different videos of faith-based groups, individuals around the world that are trying to do various aspects of this sustainable transformation through church mission. And then the other one is our main website, significantmatters.com. And then there's the satcatalyst.com. Or you can just email Tom at significantmatters.com and I'll answer all your questions and the ones I can't. I'll forward on to Wayne. Super. All right. Hey, thank you both so much. We'll continue. So folks who are watching or listening to the podcast, will get it on the next episode. Thank you guys for being here today. I appreciate it so much. I love both of you and look forward to next time. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.